Hello, my name is Roy Johnson. Today's subject is steamy relationships. What to do about it? Relationships. What to do about it if you're in a relationship or trying to go into a relationship? The very first thing you should do is listen to episodes one and two, which will give you an understanding of the mentality and things you should already be doing before you even try to really go into a relationship is very key and important. So listen to episodes one and two. This will help you and aid you tremendously. But this is a good question. What do I do about it? The very first thing you need to do is to look, pay attention, and think before you get to know the other. If the physical attraction is there, then it could be so strong that you overlook the obvious other things which could impact your relationship with that person. They could seem nice, but have tattoos all over their body, which could be evidence of a trauma-based disposition. If you don't smoke cigarettes, then don't screw around with someone who does. If you don't smoke marijuana, then don't date someone who does. If you don't do drugs, then don't be with someone who does. If you have good credit and the other has bad credit, then you two should never get serious. Bad credit is evidence of bad character and dishonesty. People with bad credit has theft behavior and can never be trusted with any type of funds. But it goes beyond that. They are living by the moment, but not willing to pay the consequences of making debt. They are dishonest to themselves and to anything worth investing. When someone likes you, then they will make it clear and you don't even have to do anything to earn their company. They are willing to be and willing to kick it with you anywhere you go and at any time. If that person loves you, they will always find time for you and will often sacrifice other engagements just to be with you. Begging. Begging is a, metal, it's a mental disability. And you know, from my profession for 14 years, I would know a little bit about this because I deal with the homeless and I deal with people with mental and physiological and sociological disabilities. And I can tell you from experience that begging is a mental disability and people often misunderstand that. You and I both have been guilty of giving things to people who beg. If the person constantly asks you for favors, this applies to relationships, all types of relationships. So if the person constantly asks you for favors and want to borrow, then they have low self-esteem and disrespect for themselves. They may look like a nice person, but as we know, the devil can be nice, but the devil can never be good. This person has disrespect for themselves and will never be totally responsible for their actions. They will cheat their way through life and facilitate criminal behavior. And for people with experience with these type of behaviors, they know exactly what I'm talking about. So it would be a good thing for you to take heed to this because if the person you're in a relationship with facilitate this type of 
begging mentality and behavior, you should end the relationship right away. Listen, if someone only wants you to see them or come into their space on their convenience and they're not willing to ask you where would be a good place for the two of you two to meet on your terms, then they don't respect or like you. You really should pay attention to this. They only want you for what you can do for them on their terms. Now, if you're listening to my podcast and you're guilty of this, this is the opportune time to do a self-examination and understand that you are facilitating a very shipwrecked type of relationship that will end disruptly. In this situation where the person is doing this and facilitating this behavior and that relationship because this person will never respect you no matter how more hard you do or try to work it out. If you have to ask someone to be with you without them doing this naturally, and this involves doing things together romantically, and I love romance, then that person is not compatible for you no matter how romantic the engagement is. The fact that you are asking this person to spend time with you is evidence that the relationship is a one-sided relationship which needs to immediately end. If you don't take heed to this advice, then you you will find yourself well invested into the relationship where you have placed a lot of time and energy into it And it will be extremely hard for you to get over that person. Now me, I'm from a very strong family. My mother and father were together for 50 years before death parted them. And I'm from a very strong family, so I hold strong to family values. And uh, for me, back in the past, it was very hard for me to get out of relationships because I believed this tradition of, you know, stay together, work things out to death do your part. But this can be the death of you and your entire family altogether. Many people are willing to live with physical ailment and depression and unwilling to give up the person which caused them the peril in the first place, all simply based on being together for such a long time. This is often the case with first-time lovers, you know, your high school sweetheart, that first love. You have to let them go or else you will never find your purpose. And remember, your purpose is to be happy. What else is a good thing? Being in great shape. Yes. Did you know that your physical condition does affect your romance and your level of love? Being in great shape will aid tremendously during intimacy. You have to get off your lazy rump and exercise. It is genetically true that persons who are out of shape has the least fun when it comes to sex. It is not limited by just someone who is obese. It could be someone who works out and works hard and uh, they are behind the computer chair for countless hours. I'm guilty of this which this can lead to erectile dysfunction and a poor or poor libido. This means that slender people as well as overweight people must stay active 
and a few lag butterflies a day can bring a world of difference into your romance life and performance. So, work out, stay in shape. This is not a sprint in life. This is a marathon. And when you are talking about love, it's not something you're going to get into really fast and get out of. You have to go for the lifetime achievement of the marathon of life and your romance in life. You know, when you're a teenager, then you are often able to go all night. But as you get older, those numbers will drop. You know what I mean when I say go all night. This romantic thing that you do when you're teenagers, you know, these love dubs together. But the numbers will drop dramatically and it will all depend on your body and you staying healthy and fit. Here's a good question. Mr. Johnson, will mastering and becoming a pickup artist give me game? Yeah, it will. It will give you game. But you will not usually be able to substantiate a long-term relationship. Having several dates in your rotation will give you choices. But the reason you have several in your rotation is evidence that you have not made the best connections. If you are okay with random occasional dating, then pickup game is for you. But keep in mind that it is the game and the other partner you are engaging with may be privy to the same game also. You both will end up playing each other in the end. Under this, nobody is truly a winner in the game of life, not when it comes to romance and love. Nobody is a winner no matter how many people you've dated, it may be the idea pick up. It may be idea for you to pick someone up who is between the ages of 18 and 25. And we find this true about a lot of relationship coaches who teach how to pick up game. But it is very rare that these age brackets have found their purpose in life. They may discover their purpose during your courtship, but usually the relationships are only temporal. If you are older, you may end up mentoring the young mate into finding themselves. But once they find someone else who has higher value than you, then they will move on with no remorse whatsoever. You'll be wondering what happened with all the work you put into the relationship. Here's a good question. When do you cold approach or can you cold approach someone? Well, when you cold approach someone, then it is best done when you catch the other person in their everyday living, such as paying a bill, shopping at the grocery, or at the mall, walking in the park, and even going to the doctor's office. This is when their guard is down. You have the opportunity then to see them for who they are without all the bar and club hype. You can very rarely find a genuine person at any bar or club. If you do, Keep in mind that this person that you meet at the bar and the club for fun, that you will end up in a long-term relationship with a bar and club partner, potentially for life. If you're okay with this type of person and this type of uh, mentality and things to do at the bar, then pick up game is yours for adventure. Here's a good question. Mr. Johnson, when should I have sex? You should only have sex starting at 18, year, 18 years old at minimum. Understand 
that if it is your first time, that you will naturally feel like this is the only person you will ever be with your entire life. This is not true in a lot of cases, and most likely it is the biggest illusion you will have ignorantly cast upon your own brain. Sets for the first time is usually driven by impulse and passion. It will never be rational. And when it comes to life choices, you won't even make, you won't even be thinking straight. You will do things with feelings and naturally. But in the end, we know that when you do things based upon solely upon emotions, that that drive usually begins to drain out and drain you. Once the sexual feelings are drained out, and you two are tired of each other as far as sexually speaking, and you haven't kept the interest up, um, what you have left is what you two have in common. And if the both of you don't have anything in common except sex, the relationship is going to be very bumpy and you're going to run into a lot of issues. If both of you are not smart enough to understand the value of each other's company, past the sex, then one or the both of you will no longer be committed and will cheat or exercise hypergamy by instinct naturally. This happens with animals. If one or both is driven by passion, then when the other finds out, it is usually a dynamic impact and it impacts one physically and it impacts one emotionally. The most violent crimes are committed by impulse and those driven by emotion. You may not be privy to the movie Star Wars and the, so and the saga of Anakin Skywalker. Who is that? Anakin Skywalker is the young man before he became Darth Vader. When he was young, he was driven by passion and emotion and out of rage because he thought he was right and because he had that feeling, you know, the feeling that teenagers have they're so in love passionately or they have something that drives them. He killed a lot of children and a lot of people. And even they who loved him, based all based upon him not being able to control his emotions. His libido was just too strong. His illegitimate son, we know his name as he got older, Luke Skywalker. He almost fell for this too until Yoda came along and taught him to control his emotions and use the force in, of intelligence, logic, and reason over emotion. Here's a good question. Should you have sex with a person or not? I don't know why people ask this question. It's a no-brainer, but it is a common question that's asked amongst people. If you two like each other and are ready for it and find yourself uncontrollably and passionately kissing without second thought, then you have a connection. And this is a good, strong connection. It's always fun having sex with someone who feels equally sexually attracted to you and uh, you towards them. Fun is fun, man. And this is part of your purpose in life. If you have sex just because it's fun and the other person is had an understanding uh, and that you two both have this understanding that you're doing this because you like each other and it just feels good and it's fun for the both of you, then both are going to come out on top. It's a win-win situation. Great sex improves confidence. 
my best experiences came when I and another decided, and this is my life, my personal life, my best experiences came when I and another decided to have sets only with no strings attached. The trouble comes when you only have one or two things in common. Incompatibility will destroy anything and anyone. If you think about sets, you probably shouldn't do it. If you have truly, if you have to truly think about it, especially for long periods of time, then you are going at it from an alpha standard. You are thinking too much. You're overthinking it. And you are missing the key ingredient, which is needed to keep a relationship interesting physically. Body chemistry. Body chemistry is genetic. If you two don't have that, then you are incompatible physically. It's the law of nature. And don't ever ignore how you feel about someone when you just see them and appearances do matter. Physical attraction is very important in a relationship. You may have everything in common, but if there's no physical attraction, then don't fool yourself into believing that you can screw your way into passion. Passion is passion, and passion must be matched with passion. Intelligence may guide you, but if the sexual drive is not there, then don't force yourself to do something that doesn't come naturally. Everyone has natural urge and their physical, and it will happen without second thought. The point is to control your passion long enough to make sure that you two are compatible. There are many women I've met in my life who have similar attractions with me, but I am not attracted to them sexually. I would be with them intelligently, but will deprive be de- deprived of sexual interest, and this is not good in a relationship. You should not be surprised by how many people who get together all based off of total logic, and it turns out that they are just not sexually attracted to one another, resulting in a failed long-term relationship. Now, I would like to say here that when you both have your own objectives in life and you focus on your purpose, which is to enjoy life and have fun doing the things you like to do, if those purposes match up at least three but potentially nine things that you both love to do alone by yourself automatically, even before you meet the other person, then the success of the relationship is going to be near 100% because you are in love with yourself and you're sharing this journey with someone who also loves themselves. And believe it or not, people who are really, who have mastered loving themselves are the best partners that are really the partners for life. It's the perfect mate. There are some key points. If you two do indeed have nine purposes together, then you are most likely physically compatible because you are doing things already that you both like, which will succeed in long-term relationships. Here's a good question. Should you get married or not? Marriage sounds great, but it is a legal binding contract which will demand dynamic currency all based on the combined economic worth of the relationship. 
the life expectancy in the professional workforce of each is total value of the marriage. When you bring children into the midst, then the ratio is multiplied by the two of you and divided by the number of children you have combined with the amount of care it takes to substantiate those children until they reach the age of an adult. Divorce will drain finances, all based upon the asset value you both have and bring into the relationship. If you go into a marriage with this in mind, you may be fine, but the both of you must be up to the game. If one is in it to win it, and the other is just in it for love, then that one just in it for love will most likely get burnt. If the person you marry doesn't bring equal currency to the table, then your currency will be divided by the number of family members married into your home. Don't just get married if you love someone. Get married if you two are willing to sacrifice at least half of who you are and what you are and what you make and own because that's about the amount it will total when you two separate. All second, third, and fourth marriages are out of question and should never be done. If you get a divorce, then it happened for a great reason. The trouble one goes through to get a divorce is life-changing. It is a key reminder that you should never get into contracts, especially one that has an oath until death do you part in it. Getting married again follows along the same lines as taking someone back after they have disrespected you. No matter how many chances and how long you wait, it will never successfully work. Successfully work. It's just the law of nature of currency in life. Go back to my chapter in my book, Currency Matrix. Help guide to relationships under the bracket how to get over someone you love. If someone cheats on you in that relationship right away, they are going to do it again. If you take them back, then you are being submissive and saying to them that you are too weak to take a stand for, for that which is ethical and right. You should never stay together, even if children are involved. Being unhappy with your mate carries over to your children and will affect their behavior. Getting back together doesn't change. It doesn't change the person's character and it doesn't change self-respect. If someone likes you and loves you, check this out. They will never disrespect you or do you wrong. Bottom line, they will never be dishonest to you under any circumstances. They will always hold you in high esteem. So this is why they will always have time for you and never do you bad. This is something people just don't pay attention to, but truly, this is the way. The first time someone does you wrong means they don't like or respect you and they can never be trusted again. If you take them back, then you are going to cause yourself pain and depression. Wanting to change someone means you two are already not compatible. Time will never fix the situation and the time will never make anything better. 
Waiting for someone to change is always a waste of time. They are the other way because they are not good currency for you. If you two have nine habits and enjoy doing at least nine same things prior to knowing each other, then you two will be very compatible with each other when you do things together and most likely be perfect to live together till death is your part. If the person doesn't have self-discipline and self-respect, then they will never be compatible with someone who is disciplined and respectful. People who are driven to spend time on social media are sporadic and extremely emotional, and they will have mood swings. These are the most dynamic and potentially emotionally draining type of relationships. These same relationships are often disruptive, explosive, and physically violent. Dramatic people will always be disruptive and will never have a stable relationship. Just because someone is nice doesn't mean they are good. Being quiet doesn't mean they are logical. There are all sorts of nice guys and gals who are killers. Pay attention to their behavior. If they are mischievous, especially to others, as a prank, this may mean, and usually does, that they are only displaying who they are inside when no one else is watching. Taking candy bar and eating it while in the store may seem innocent, but it's not. Wrong is wrong, and right is right, and there is no in-between. Devils can be nice, but never good. Here's a good one. Never run off and get married. When the elders tell you that you are too young, they are really speaking from experience. You have to realize that your puberty and sex drive is so strong that you may not be logical enough to realize that getting married doesn't mean that you truly love someone. It has meaning, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you love someone like that. Getting married is a contract that draws currency in a powerful way in the court system. If one of you is weak in this relationship, then the both of you will be weak. If one of you is broke, then the both of you will be broke. If one of you are in debt, then the both of you are in debt. If one dies, then the other still has to pay for the other's liability when they die. What about dating sites? Dating sites are built to draw off your emotion state, emotional state and designed to bring you into a world that only exists in the imagination of who you wish could be the ideal mate for you because you're un unable to see and hear them. Something that is very important in today's society with the pandemic. There's no real way to know how they will appeal to you in person. There's nothing logical about dating online because you are biological and it's going against your natural built-in indicators to know if someone is right for you or not by something as simple as body language. And you know from every experience and from every relationship coach and from every book on relationships that body language is one of the primary topics when it comes to relationship. And this is very important 
in all relationships. The internet eliminates getting to know someone in person. It is best to catch someone in their everyday life, such as at the grocery store or department store, walking their dog, going to the dentist, waiting on the plane or the bus, going skiing, skating, swimming, roller skating, going to a concert or sports or games. This is when you should be meeting someone. Meeting someone in a bar lowers the bar. And that is an environment that facilitates bad habits, such as drinking alcoholic beverages. I used to drink a lot, but I don't anymore. Liquor is a type of drug that sets up for impaired thinking and behavior, which you may exhibit once you get a couple of drinks in. The other person may or may not know that they are setting you up for failure, especially if you don't drink. Meeting, here's another one that's going to shock you. Meeting someone in a coffee shop could also be a disadvantage. Are you shocked about that? Because drinking or eating anything that has caffeine, which often houses cadmium, which raises the bar in social behavior because the other person will occasionally become hyper and very talkative and may say and do things that they normally would not because of the effect of the caffeine, which is a drug, which usually houses cadmium. Cadmium is linked to stress and aggressive behavior. Drinking both coffee or alcoholic beverages is very hard also on your kidneys and bladder and will often interrupt good conversation. You know, when you're talking to somebody and they keep getting up to go to the restroom, boy, mm, what a relationship killer, what a romance killer right there. All drugs amplify behaviors and the variance will depend on the biologic, biology of the person who's done the drug on the host. All drugs are addictive to the brain, including various foods that can bring about disruptive behavior and eating patterns, which can affect their health and well-being. If you write someone and they don't immediately call you back. How about this? If you write someone and they don't write or immediately call you back or text you back, you know, within a reasonable time, within, you know, a day or so, uh, their interest level for you is low, very low, and you should not assume that they love you. Love is very personal. Love is very personal. And constantly stays connected. Don't ever forget this. Don't send messages asking them what's wrong or if they love you. The evidence that you are sending those notes reflects a needy mind state, which is submissive to dynamic emotions, which can turn a good day bad on merely impulses and feelings. Move on and find something better to do with your thoughts and time. If he or she is always busy and they never spend quality time with you, then they just don't love you. And this is very hard for people that I used to be like this type of person who had unconditional love. And people with unconditional love or who are from strong family values, and that is true for me both ways, 
And conditional love, con- unconditional love is something that's taught. It's not really uh, something that you really believe by nature. It's just something you force into your mind because you have so much love. Um, it is hard to get over a person that you love. But listen, they're just not into you. If you find yourself asking them for more time, then they are not compatible for you. Love always makes time, even when the other person is extremely busy. Love will always make up for time lost, and the other person will do this automatically without your input. Never argue or fight. Arguing and fighting is the beta mindset, and this will drain you mentally and physically. Remember that if she or he brings you into fussing back and forth, then the person who initiated the attack is always going to be the winner. They have accomplished dominant control over you by making you stoop down to their level. This is how the beta-minded person manipulate and test. If they still can pull your chains just to see if they still have control in the relationship, and they will do this, They are causing you emotional stress because that's exactly who they are. They are driven by emotion. Emotionally driven people are always unstable in all kinds of relationships, including money and self-respect. They will not be taking care of their physical body at all during these times. They are often mentally and physically ill. Are you guilty of falling for someone who's nice? There's a difference between being nice and being good. Bad people know how to be nice, but bad persons can never be good. Don't ever let a nice person play on your goodness. It's just wrong, and that is very bad. Love must always be righteous, and that means to stand no matter how dire it may appear. You must be strong and face all badness and evil now listen if you are arguing all the time then you are controlled by your emotions you have to just shut up and think about your feelings because they will drive you into extremes will often suffer cause you more pain and far worse consequences if someone borrows money from you one time and they never pay you back never ever let them borrow money from you ever again you're going to get burned every time this includes relatives and friends and uh, doubly especially for someone who begs you for money say no and walk away and never feel guilty for being stern believe it or not the other person will be forced to respect you and if they come to you, ask you again, then they are doubly disrespecting you even more than the first time, which simply means that they never took you seriously in the first place. You appear to be an easy pushover to them. Be an alpha-minded person and stand up for yourself by doing the right thing. And that thing that makes you feel, and don't engage in that thing which makes you feel in a certain way. Never apologize for feeling some kind of way. The difference in arguing and disagreement is understanding 
and respect for each other. One will lead and the other will follow. Remember that two who are in the same currency rarely ever disagree. Birds of a feather always flock together. Both will always have an open mind toward each other because they both hold each other in high value. This is called true love. Are you truly in love? If the person argues and bicker at you, then you need to end that relationship immediately. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. You have to understand that this person is not mature enough to understand true love. And this may be the case for all people, no matter how old you are. Don't let the other person get in front of you physically or talk to you on the phone verbally because they will utilize this technique to bring you down into an emotional controlled mindset which often leads to physical fights. Once you two hit each other, you both are completely under the control of the beta mind. Remember that the other person is acting up because they don't respect you. That's just the bottom line. They just don't love you anymore. And this is why they are acting up. They may not love themselves. Know the signals, state your facts, and absolutely literally walk away and say nothing else about it. This is easier said than done. Don't talk to them again, not even one more time. If you find yourself wanting to talk to them again, then you are in the beta mind state and are being controlled by passion and not logic. And I know that this is really hard for people to have uh, love, just a good nature inside of them, themselves. Listen, you don't owe them an explanation. They know what they did. Even young children know what they do. They know what they did. And even when you provide them dialogue, you're giving them validation, which in turn gives them control of the relationship. A beta-minded person can never be the captain of anything. They will always be driven by emotion. If he or she hits you, then the relationship is immediately over and can never be repaired. Never forget this. For this is the way. If you two get back together, then you both are living a lie and will eventually repeat the same behavior. Some people may fight once and not fight for 20 years, but they will often have small eruptions of verbal abuse until that point for which they repeat the incident. The second time around can be more fatal. You don't have to go far to find this type of behavior in the news in our society today. Now, the health of your relationship will depend on the energy it provides you before, during, and after the engagement. Keep in mind that two people who are totally in to each other will not intentionally offend one another. They both will be on their best behavior. If you feel drained, then it is a bad engagement. This relationship is a bad matrix for you. If you are energized and always come out feeling a little better to the point that prior to meeting them, 
that you have good energy, then that person is good for you. You have to determine if you are the bad or the good in the relationship. Sometimes you are the dramatic one who always pulls the relationship in a non-productive way. It's one complaint after the next and the spiral dynamic events escalate upon each passing day. You are most likely attracted to the good person because of your inability to maintain stability of that good feeling. You may be attracted to the other, but you will eventually pull them down into an emotional mindset, which will stir up drama, which will in turn bring disruption to both. One bad apple does in fact uh, spoil the entire bunch. And listen to this little expression. And people are guilty of this. You complete me. This is indeed a wrong way to go about finding the perfect mate. You should not be looking for someone to complete you, but rather compliment you. Don't be seeking someone to fill your emptiness, but rather be a supportive role in your both your relationships. This entails that both beta and alpha-minded are validating each other. This is provided that you two have dated long enough to get to know each other's purpose. These purposes must be the type that does not compromise but complement each other. This means that you are not changing what you do just to please the other because this will substantiate a false purpose. You will end up doing what the other likes just to please them. You both must be doing things that you already enjoy doing alone without the other. Should alpha date an alpha or should a beta date a beta? This is a good question. The best combination is alpha female and alpha male. The alpha female is the most feminine if she has an alpha man. The alpha man will be more masculine and dominant, but they will naturally complement each other because they both house the intelligence to know that each other are in high standards. A true alpha female will never disrespect her man, and a true alpha man would never disrespect an alpha female. Betas with betas are the most dangerous physically and emotionally. The two will find that they are occasionally drained, and they will often need distance and space. These two are known to get sexually, to be great sexually, but cannot stand each other when it comes to anything else in life. It usually doesn't take long for outsiders to realize that the both of them are too much for each other and that they should never be together. The only issue is that their primitive encounters are not logical enough to notice that they are not compatible until after several dramatic altercations. The most challenging is the beta dating alpha relationships. Both can get along, but they will constantly challenge each other. The beta will desire to lead by emotion, and the alpha will desire to lead by logic and reason. This will be a push-pullover relationship. There will be good moments and bad moments, but the longer the two are together, the more challenging the relationship will be. Usually during these type of relationships, one will finally just give in to the other. It will be a compromise and not a compliment 
not a complimented compatibility. It's amazing how many couples stay together for many years before they are worn out. Just working it out never works, man. Disrespect is the worst type of relationship to be in on any level. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It really has nothing to do with beta or alpha-minded people altogether. But rather, it is the discharge of a bad character. Disrespectful people just don't love, man. There's no sugarcoating to it. If someone disrespects you, then they don't love you. Bottom line, a caring person will almost immediately correct their actions. They will apologize and they will naturally correct their actions. This will entail the age of accountability and that all depends on the understanding and growth of that particular person. Some are naturally born with love and others just never will love. This is the harsh reality of life. Respect starts at birth, but in regards to dating age, it could start as soon as five years old. If the person you date is an adult and they knowingly disrespect you, then the relationship is immediately over and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is the way. When it comes to intimate relationship, it is commonly known that if you are predictable and do the same things that the other will cheat on you, women are usually blamed for being disloyal. The fact is that a predictable person offer, offers comfort and being very dependable and known to be very dependable and reliable. This is why the other person may be attracted to them in the first place. And uh, this is why they will try to stay in the relationship. They're not cheating on you because you are predictable. Uh, but they are cheating on you because they are the ones who is unstable and unpredictable. What about the MGTOW? The MGTOW, men going their own way, community, generally, their general belief is that when a beta male is predictable and do the same things, that it will appear as a form of weakness because he doesn't offer a challenge for her to pursue him. It's called the chase. If he is not constantly making her chase his validation and becomes too predictable, that eventually she will become uninterested and compromise the relationship by utilizing hypergamy and cheating on him. It is commonly known that if a man allows this, that she will not only cheat, but totally disrespect his leadership. On the surface, now listen, on the surface, this seems right. And I hear a lot of people say this, even professionals. But this isn't completely an accurate account of the whole picture. Don't succumb to this totally unfortunate teaching and agenda. The full understanding is that the beta-minded individual is attracted to stable people and their disloyalty is not because of predictability and readability, but rather them having a mindset which exhibits and facilitates disruptions to anything which does not produce that good emotional feeling, that good physiological feeling that they're seeking, that they are used to doing uh, in their life. And this caused emotional drawbacks. They were like this before they met you, and they will continue to be like this until the day they die. They need to utilize 
the alpha mind in order to guide their impulse. Everyone has passion, but logic usually brings balance to those moments when reason is challenged. Don't fall for the forced indoctrination that God has helped me for you or that there is someone for you. This is an agenda which often leaves people depressed because they are on a continual unresponsive journey which can never be fulfilled. If you are still looking for the right one, then you have failed yourself in finding true happiness. If one other person was the total of our purpose, then no one would do anything else but be in the company of the other. There is way more purpose to your life than having someone else in your life. You have to find other things that bring you joy, which in turn will utilize the law of attraction. It is amazing how many people who are not looking for love find it. And in the one, uh, sim- in, in the one who similar interest prior to the engagement. The point is that you will be more depressed if you are looking for someone than actually doing things which brings you happiness. And so, what if only one thing which brings you happiness is having someone in your life? If that special one, someone, is a lover, then you have the lowest sense of vibration in this relationship and you will constantly find yourself in a crutch because that person could leave you, they could become ill or even die, leaving you all alone. The fact is that all lovers are temporal in the earth matrix. As long as you are on the earth and if you need a special someone, then it should encompass several types of special someones. It could be a pet, a friend, a group of acquaintances, going to a club, sports event, church events, any type of combined specials. The reason for this is to give you more realistic and stable purposes in life. You just don't want to be putting yourself into always looking for someone else to find happiness. The chances of losing one is far greater than losing a whole bunch of other things. It's amazing how many people lose happiness and literally stop living after the loss of a loved one. We all know or will eventually know this to be true. This means that you were only living to love only one thing and you you only have one purpose in your life. Never ever place all your eggs in one basket because if that basket breaks you lose all your eggs then you have nothing. This is why I tell people to have at least three purposes but find nine purposes in your life and if you have a match of nine purposes in your partner's life you're most likely going to be in the most most productive and perfect relationship you can ever imagine remember that your purpose is to be happy and as long as it doesn't infringe on another's safety then it is a good purpose many people are fooled to think that you have to be busy working in order to have purpose but this is, a, is not exactly correct. You have to be busy focusing on that which brings you joy. Read and study my chapter on your purpose is to be happy. If you both are not focused on your purpose, but only focused on each other, 
then you will ultimately lose all purpose and the relationship will crumble. You both have to like and do the same things. You must have common purposes that you two already do by yourself without the company of the other. This is the way. When you two come together, you have teamwork and you will both share common purpose, which is something you both enjoy doing. If you love cooking and want to be a chef and she is already a chef, then you have common purpose. If the both of you like singing in the shower while pasta is cooking on the stove, then you have two purposes and you are double compatible. If you like to be lazy on Saturday and watch movies and your mate already likes to do that on Saturday, then you have three common purposes. If you love to keep high credit score and save money and your other partner already has a high credit score, then you have four purposes which will bind you to even more. If he loves to go hiking and she loves to go outside and venture out in the wild, then you two have five things which brings more purpose. If she loves to pretend to be a damsel in distress during intimacy and you love to play pretend because it's how you've been since a child, then you two have six common interests which is almost impossible to break. If he would love to be a veterinarian one day and you love animals, then you two are very compatible and will have now seven great combinations. If he wishes that he could juggle and walk on his hands and you love to go to all kinds of circuses and events like that, you know, like in Vegas, then you two have eight wonderful things that brings purpose into your life. If she loves reading books and he loves writing stories, and this is my case, I love to write. I may not read as much. I read people. But if she loves to read books and I love to write, then we have nine things that we both enjoy. You two will never get bored with each other. And even if the sex part goes away, and you will always have interesting things that you do and say, and will most likely grow all together and live happily ever after. This is the way. My name is Roy Johnson, and these events were taken right out of the book, Currency Matrix, Help Guide to Relationships. And until we talk again, have a good day.